I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Marcel here. Before today's episode, I want to tell you about a new show that we are loving at Witch Please Productions, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. If you don't already know it, I'm convinced that you're about to fall in love with a new podcast. And this is coming from me, Marcel, someone who famously doesn't really listen to podcasts. Culture Study is a podcast about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds us. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host will answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? And... Is Paw Patrol copaganda, or is it not that deep? And, like, what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Just like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter of the same name, Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. Who knows? Maybe you'll recognize some guests in the coming months. Hello and welcome to Witch Please, a fortnightly podcast about the Harry Potter world. I'm Marcel Cosman, bringing you another Matt Leave Minisode. Before I introduce this week's episode, dear listeners, it is my great pleasure to announce next fortnight's Christmas special, A Very Witch Please Christmas, featuring erstwhile tech support Trevor Chow Fraser, actual guy with a film degree Neil Barnholden, a hippogriff baby, and your ever-festive hosts Hannah McGregor and me, Marcel Cosman. It'll be a spiked vegan eggnog-fueled departure from our regular incomprehensible schedule of episodes, and we hope it'll keep you warm and cozy as we disband for the goyish holiday season. This week on the podcast, we wind our time-turners back 1,560 turns to September 27th in order to revisit the Edmonton Comics and Entertainment Expo. We're going to hear all about Quidditch IRL from the talented players of the Edmonton Orrers and Central Alberta Quidditch teams. And now, without further ado, we bring you Quidditch in Edmonton. Um, So welcome to the Quidditch panel about Quidditch in Edmonton. We have, um, well, there's me. I'm Veronique, and I deal with all of the money situations happening for the Edmonton Orrers. My name is Marisha, and I do all the marketing and communications, so all the social media. If you follow us, that's me. Uh, hello, my name is Chris Radievsky, and I'm the coach of the Edmonton Oars. I'm Cameron Mendoza, and I am, uh, I guess, officially a Quidditch enthusiast. Yeah, that was the best <laughs> title we could think Woo. for Cameron, officially. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's us. Uh, we are a bunch of people, uh, but we decided four people was probably more than enough to speak at a panel. <laughs> um, all right, so, well... Quidditch is 
I think it's a pretty magical thing, but there's something really about seeing it that really is, you have to see it in order to really get it. So um, we were lucky enough earlier in this year um, to team up with Telus Optic and uh, get a little intro video going. So uh, we can show that for you now, and so you can hopefully get a bit of the magic. Reading was a huge part of my life, and so reading the Harry Potter books, you know, I asked Santa Claus for a book on trains, and I got the box set because there was a train on the front of it. From there, uh, really, I just love reading the books. My name is Christopher Radievsky. Uh, we're in Edmonton, Alberta, at the Kinsman Park, and we're playing Quidditch. The really awesome part about Quidditch is you bring together a really dynamic set of people. And at first, while a lot of people are brought in because of the relation to Harry Potter, um, whether the love of the books or the movies, um, it, you could almost say it's a generational thing. Okay, you ready to go? Go. Don't be afraid. In my case, I came from the relation to Harry Potter in the beginning, but the sports developed almost a whole new sort of world for me separately that uh, I consider this a sport just as along the lines of running track and field, which I used to do, basketball, soccer, things like that. The sport itself brings together so many facets of different sports, whether that's dodgeball, track and field, handball, soccer, um, basketball. So not only do are people of you know all types attracted to this game, we need all types of people to play this game effectively. Good job, guys! Whoa, look at the aim on him! I got started, actually, Cameron is in my orientation group at the university. He said, hey, by chance, do you want to play Quidditch? And I was, I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd, so I was just like, do I want to play Quidditch more than my lungs want to breathe air? I always enjoyed sports, but I always felt like maybe the fact that I'm five foot two and shorter, especially I really like volleyball and all of these things and I can't quite reach the net. But one of the aspects I like is it gets people that maybe not aren't necessarily engaged in sport, engaged in sport through a love of the books or the movies. The other thing is it's a very progressive sport. It's an all-gendered sport, so not even not even your typical co-ed. It really doesn't matter to us. We're, you know, we just we just play the game and we make sure everybody's able to play that sport. So nobody should be intimidated to come out and try the game. We're all welcoming. We're all in that position where we're putting a broom between our legs for the first time going, what are we doing? But really, come out and try it, and I think you'll enjoy it. Don't you just want to join? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh... We kind of watch it on a loop now because it just looks really cool, though Marisha and I are both really bummed that we're not in it. Um, and that's probably the only critic we have because we're awesome. So <laughs> um, we'll just move it's on. Sad. Uh, so different positions. Yeah, so I'm sure you really want to know how to actually play Quidditch. So um, I'll start with the Seeker. The Seeker is actually... Um, so. First of all, I guess the positions are identified by the color of the headband that you play. So you play with like a jersey of your team and then the headband that identifies your color. So Seekers are in yellow and they catch the snitch. And Cameron is um, modeling our snitch shorts today. So the snitch is actually a person um, who gets chased by the Seekers. <laughs> to end the game, you have to pull the snitch itself off. And the only thing you can't do is, uh, that's all the Seeker can do. But however, the Snitch can do whatever they want 
to the seekers. Push so like them, shove. shove them, mess up the hair, which I worked really hard to get. <laughs> no, not necessarily. But uh, no you rules. can also like take broom. Um, they used to be able to climb trees and do a whole bunch of other shenanigans, but that became dangerous very quickly. Um, and we're not wizards and witches, so we can't skelly grow all of our bones back together. Exactly. So that's the most exciting position. Then there's the chasers who you know score points, whatever. They do. Are um, like the Cameron. Is wearing the white headband. Um, then there's the beaters, which I am a beater, um, and we play with bludgers. So we basically just hit other players out, and if you get hit by a bludger, you just have to run back to your hoops, touch your hoops, and then you're back in the game. And then there's the keepers, who are basically just chasers, but they can't get like hit out in their zone. zone. Yeah. Glorified chasers. They can also like stick their hand through the hoops and then stop anyone from scoring from either side. All right, cool. So next is equipment. Um, so we've already talked about the snitch. We're not going to go into much detail. The biggest thing to remember is just um, it's worth 30 points instead of 150 points because, um, as Marisha likes to point out, J.K. Rowling was a great author but didn't know much about sports. So um, making a ball worth 150 points means that you can't win unless you catch the snitch, which really sucks when you're a chaser because then you're scoring and scoring, but and it usually doesn't matter. It just you doesn't won't matter. be able to get more than 100 points in a game and then if the other team catches a snitch then all of your hard work is just down the toilet so yeah not many real life games are like ireland bulgaria (laughs) right um so yeah snitches worth 30 points then the quaffle uh which is this ball right here is um it's a bit of a deflated volleyball um and ideally you can grab it with one hand so it's deflated just enough for that there's a specific pressure but do I know it? Nope. So it's worth 10 points, and it goes through any of the three hoops. We do have three hoops, and they are of different sizes. Um, and then we've got the bludgers, which Marisha has so kindly um, <laughs> demonstrated. And that's why I like playing beat. <laughs> Lots of anger in this small one. And then we've got brooms on the side. So I put up three different types of brooms. Uh, the two at the top are made of PVC, and they are the preferred broom of Muggle Quidditch players because they are light, um, sturdy, and they don't break, uh, which has been an issue when you use wood ones. Um, not these ones, because these ones are super sturdy, um, but we've used wooden dowels, which do not recommend. Um, so this is really fancy ones, but the bristles do tend to um, scratch, and so a lot of players end up cutting theirs off, so... Uh, PVC brooms are usually the norm. Um, So you can get curved ones, um, which look a lot cooler than the straight ones, but I prefer the straight ones for actual play. Um, Yeah, some other equipment. So gloves are really useful because hands get slippery, and then you have better grip on uh, quaffles and bludgers. Then you've got cleats. Cleats are really great because we do play on grass. Our learn-to-play demos, which are at 3 and 12.45 tomorrow, um, 3 today, 12.45 tomorrow, We're playing on concrete, but usually we play on grass, so cleats are really useful to get some grip and really boot it to the other side. Um, And then Marisha is modeling a wonderful mouth guard. Mouth guards are very important to protect both your teeth and uh, try to prevent concussions, which can happen because Quidditch is a full contact sport. The field that we use is modeled after the ones in Harry Potter. Well, the whole sport's modeled after Harry Potter, so I guess that's a little redundant. (laughs) Weird. What else? Um... (laughs) We have official fields with official um, like sizes and all of that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the time, it's a little bit tricky to find a fully marked Quidditch pitch. I know that there's a couple <laughs> out weird. east at some schools where they have a bit more yes. uh, Quidditch history. That's like crazy. I believe uh, Waterloo and McGill have ones just off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, we don't here. Uh, we end up just like measuring things out and using like little pylons to mark things out. 
Um, though, to be honest, for a lot of practice, we're, we're pretty happy to just, like, plunk down the hoops <laughs> and just play with that because, like, it's, yeah. Um, we do have, like, a soft boundary around the pitch, so it is kind of like um, the books in that play can actually migrate off pitch. However, we do have a hard boundary now um, that nobody can go past because it's not a great thing to have, like, players running into the trees or into traffic or stuff like that. Into traffic, um, that's, that's awful. Yeah, that's suboptimal. <laughs> um, until this year, we've had, uh, they had off-pitch seeking. Like, there's a history of where, like, at the start of the game, everyone would put their heads down, close their eyes, and the snitch would just, like, nope out of there, go and hide. <laughs> and um, heard some legends about, like, snitches climbing up on goalposts and on the outside of buildings, and I think you had a snitch that, like... Yeah, I had a snitch once that jumped into a car and... Uh, <laughs> drove away. <laughs> Bye bye, snitch. Uh, my brother was actually a snitch at Ottawa U at one point um, for one or two games because he uh, would go into classrooms, uh, and then he was told not to do that. <laughs> um, but a little, yeah. little disruptive. <laughs> the rules make sense. However, there is a good point. Um, the snitch always does have to come back to the pitch, and so that has coordinated into what the snitch does now. On yeah. The pitch. Yeah. So now, um, starting this season in Canada, um, we just have uh, like the snitch floor and secret floor. So the snitch is not released at all until 17 minutes into the game. And there is no off-pitch seeking, which is kind of heartbreaking. But on the other hand, it makes it a lot more, like, fair and competitive of a sport <laughs> with less, like, I don't know, like, arbitrary. losing the snitch. And it's also easier to stuff. actually watch seeker play. Because yeah. if they're catching the snitch off-pitch, then you don't know until they walk back. So you could be scoring, and in the meantime, play is supposed to be done. <laughs> so unless we had, like, walkie-talkies, like, Shh, snitch has been caught. <laughs> you know? um, so it has become a bit more of, like... A fun sport to watch. And everybody loves watching the snitch when it's on, like, like you were saying, like, you can steal the broom and all that. So it's really funny. Snitch antics. They are the best. Um, <laughs> then we come to us, Edmonton Oars. Yeah, so the Edmonton Oars have been around for uh, just over a year now, actually, at this point. Uh, and in that time, you know, I'm actually from uh, Ontario originally. So I actually played with you, Ottawa, and Queen's University before I came uh, to Edmonton, and in the time since I came to Edmonton, we've grown from you know three or five people consistently at practice, <laughs> which it's hard hard to run a scrimmage at that point. But yep. <laughs> uh, over the course of the summer, we've grown exponentially. So now we have we're able to field a full team by ourselves, um, which should, is twenty one players. That's a good point. <laughs> um, and I should mention that within Alberta, there is inter-game play. So, and we've got some business cards if you're not necessarily from Edmonton, but Calgary, Red Deer, Medicine Hat, uh, Saskatoon, uh, Regina, a lot of teams are actually developing. So there's, Lots in BC as well. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the mountains are a little bit of a boundary, but uh, we do cross them to uh, I mean, to we can games. drive it. It's just going to take us forever. Yeah, for sure. Um, but... Edmonton in, Edmonton in particular uh, has, has seen quite a lot of growth. Um, we play Sundays at Kinsman Park at 1.30 p.m., so at any time throughout the year, rain or shine. Or snow. Uh, or snow. <laughs> um, including tomorrow. Including tomorrow at 1.30. If you're, not coming to this portion, if you're not coming to the expo tomorrow, you can come join us at Kinsman Park. Um, aside from the demos that will be going on here, we're going to be holding a practice there. Um, so... You're always welcome. We're looking for all types of people. As I said in the video, it takes all types of people to play this game, and we get all types of people that come to want to play this game, and it's absolutely necessary for this sport. Um, we need all body types. We need all different types of people. We need different types of gender. You're not allowed to have just a male team. Um, or just a female team. Or just a female team. We'll talk about that more. Um, but 
that's we're looking for all types of people and whether you want to play competitively or not um, there's lots of different levels to play. So the Edmonton Auras right now is a community team. Uh, we play recreationally. We do play uh, competitive games against some of our other clubs, but for the most part, we, we play non-contact um, at our uh, Sunday practices. However, the sport itself, which we haven't mentioned, is a full contact no, uh, mixed-gender sport. Oh, I, said I wasn't listening, clearly. <laughs> but it is full contact. So the other team that I'll mention that is sort of separate, you can find more information about, is the Alberta Clippers. So Red Deer and Edmonton play together to play uh, competitively against some of the larger clubs in the country. So most likely the Clippers will be going out to Eastern Canada for the Nationals in April to play teams like Uottawa, UBC, McGill, Simon Fraser University, uh, and and Winnipeg along those lines, so... Yeah, so we have a couple of goals in our club. Basically, it's all about delivering the sport. So obviously, we want new players to come out. Um, We have new players who just come out like at random times. Like we don't even (laughs) know people. New people are coming, so that's always okay and always welcome. It's very exciting for us. Um, We want people to be more familiar with the sports. So we want people to come out and watch us as well. That would be super cool. Um, And we want to attend more Quidditch tournaments, which would be a lot of fun. Um, And then in terms of the long-term goals, um, we would really love to see more teams in Edmonton. We would love to have a recreational community team, a competitive team, as well as post-secondary teams. So maybe at the U of A and McEwen, that would be really awesome. And we're hoping to have one at the U of A uh, within a year or two, for sure. There's definitely a lot of interest. It's just to get it going is, is a bit of a... It's a lot of work, actually. It's a lot of work, yeah. Um, And we want to see a sense of community among all the teams. We want to be able to play each other. Um, And just on that note, one of the most amazing things about Quidditch is after a game when you're tackling each other and beating each other in the face, instead of, like, that handshake, like, everyone just goes in for hugs. Like, you just have a line of hugs. It's really long. And because like by the time you get your arms around everyone and then you like, but it's so nice, but it is very, very nice. Like, (laughs) so we want to keep that sense of community. I've I've never heard somebody complain about a hug before. I'm not saying I'm not complaining. I'm just saying like a five minute, like hug line is the best. Yes. Farrell has places to be. So no hugging after the presentation. Got stuff to do. (laughs) And it's not up there, but my personal dream is to see Quidditch in the Olympics. So, one long day. Long-term goal. Like, one day. Really long-term goal. We'll start with the uh, Pan Am Games. <laughs> we could, okay, yeah, that's Pan Am Games. We could totally that would be exciting. take that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, diversity in players. So Chris kind of touched about it a little bit, how we need different types of people to play different types of roles. So for like example, I'm a bit of a bigger girl. I'm sure you haven't noticed at all. Um, but uh, I can still play because I have certain strengths, so I'm really good at knowing where to be and getting there. Um, and it's also really hard to take me down in a tackle because 
Good luck. Um, so, and it has happened. People were stronger and bigger than me. Chris has tried to push me down a bunch of times, and he's a pack of muscles. And it's because you'd have to hit me really low. So there are advantages to being really tall, really short. Like Kareen in the video mentioned that being five foot two is usually a disadvantage. And Quidditch, it's not. Um, whatever your body type, body size, you can play Quidditch. Um, you just have to play to your strengths. So I tend to find a spot that I'm good at and then just move in that area and then head back for defense. Um, but we also come from different backgrounds. Like, I'm a high school teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's fun <laughs> seeing my students here and going, please don't tell everyone at school that this is where I spent my weekend. <laughs> and, uh, like, we've got university students um, like with different backgrounds, there's a cop on our team um, who unfortunately got injured. But well, he's um, the, he was the one who founded our team. Actually, he did. Yeah, officer. he founded cool. our team, and um, he's been really great. So different age, different genders, different sexual orientations. Like everyone is welcome to play, and we actually encourage that diversity um, to keep it friendly and keep it keep it really open and welcoming. Because no one likes jocks. <laughs> <laughs> like the bro jocks, not like sporty people. We like sporty people as well. <laughs> we like everyone. We're trying to be open. We don't want jock culture, though. <laughs> so, we don't. so gender diversity so, kind of falls into that. Yeah, one really interesting and awesome thing about Quidditch is uh, we go a step past co-ed. We're full-out mixed gender. So in the official rulebook, um, the rule is that out of the six to seven people on pitch, seven if you include the seeker when they're on, uh, we can have a maximum of four of the same gender identity on pitch at once, which I think is a really rad way to do it. Because it's not like anything like the, like the IOC or the NCAA has for like arduous like, um, requirements for like surgery or hormones or stuff like that for trans people. It's like they can just play as themselves, plus... There's a whole bunch of, like, non-binary people out there, and, like, a lot of sports traditionally are not a particularly welcoming environment for all of those people, and we are, like, more than just, like, happy to, like, take in everybody, like, just to be obnoxious and, like, quote Chris again, like, (laughs) not only are all types of people attracted to this game, we really need all types of people to play this game effectively. Um, So, I think this rule about the gender diversity and, like, the maximum four of the same gender identity, it's really, well, for just a little sub-note, USQ, US Quidditch, um, calls this Title Nine and Three Quarters. Um, <laughs> just, I find that really amusing. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it really amounts to, like, enshrined diversity. It's, like, so important that it is the first thing in our rule book after the table of contents before even the introduction. Um, it's an essential part of the sport, and we, yeah, we really want everyone to play it because everyone can play and can be really awesome at playing. Quidditch in Canada. As I've said, I've uh, I've played for a number of clubs at this point, and actually I've played for a club in the United States as well. Um, and that's because I've also traveled around, and as Vera was mentioning, it it's not just students. The vast majority of teams in Canada are made up by students. So while I was doing my undergrad at the University of Ottawa and doing my master's at Queen's, but even when I was working in Washington, D.C., and now where I work in Edmonton, um, you, you know, there's been teams, there's been community teams that we can play for, and those are growing quite rapidly because there's a lot of people, while they started out in university, are now going, oh, I don't, I don't go to a university or a college anymore. Maybe I should uh, join a go team. Back. Uh, the nice thing is <laughs> go back. 
there's um there I mean and I should mention that a lot of teams if you're not if you're in a community where there is only one team most teams have rules where they are allowed ex- uh, outside players not from the institution yeah, a certain um, percentage, yeah. but there's a certain rules based on being a university club that 75% or 60% of the students need to or need to be students um, so Quidditch actually uh, is almost 10 years old. Uh, it's funny because, well, I mean, it doesn't seem like the books and the movies have been around for a long time. Uh, Quidditch, and which came out around pretty much, I guess, near the first movie uh, or just after, um, it was 2005 uh, in October when the first game was played, and it was played in Middlebury, uh, Vermont, um, which is just south of Montreal. So not surprising that McGill University in 2007 was the first club uh, to develop. And quickly from there, it came to Carleton and the University of Ottawa, uh, where I was playing at the time. So I've been playing for five years now, uh, or actually going on my six, but, um, and now it, and it's just broken across. Um, most of Canadian Quidditch teams are located in the Ottawa, or sorry, Ontario, Quebec region. Just, and I mean, that's partially because of population density and, um, and I mean, just generally that, that's what's sort of been required to support. And being based off institutions, it looks like you need a university. At least it <laughs> seemed like at first that you needed a university to get this started. Not necessarily anymore, and that's evident from across the West. There's not definitely not as many institutions or post-secondary institutions in uh, in as many as in uh, Ontario and Quebec in Western Canada. But as you can see from the map, they're starting to pop up all over. We just have to drive a little farther to uh, have interplay games. But part of what um, Marisha was talking about was the fact that as Quidditch has developed, you've gotten to the point where there's multiple teams in one city. So Ottawa, for example, had three teams, or had just, and this last season had three teams, so they don't have to travel necessarily. Uh, last year, as the Alberta Clippers, which yeah. encompassed the whole province, uh, generally our shortest uh, trip for a tournament was six hours. So that's playing competitively. So that's not like just going out to Sunday practice or whatever. Um, but not anymore. So our, now we only have to go to Calgary as far if we want to play a competitive games. So that's, that just demonstrates to a certain extent how rapidly the sport is growing in Canada. And in the U.S., there's hundreds, hundreds of teams. Of course, they have a lot more, uh, well, 300 million versus 38. And then, of course, uh, a lot more different post-secondary institutions as that's developed. But as we're seeing the emergence of community teams, it's absolutely incredible now do you have to be done with university to play or do you have to be in university or college to play no not necessarily in quebec uh one of my good friends when we after attending at the university of ottawa she went off and she got the cegep schools so they're pretty much like kind of community college but they're the step before university they're mandatory in quebec um and they have their own league in montreal uh and so a lot of uh, high school age students are now getting involved with the sport as well, which is absolutely incredible. But I mentioned the United States and I mentioned Canada. It goes way beyond that. It's not just a Canada, US, or even an Anglophone sort of phenomenon. Uh, you can see UK Quidditch up there, France Quidditch, Polska, Denmark, Germany. Uh, Germany, lots of countries playing. I had the privilege last year of attending the Global Games for Team Canada, um, and that was actually in Burnaby, BC. And that was the largest tournament to date, and we had seven teams in attendance. So out of the teams up there, Canada, the U.S., Mexico, U.K., France, Australia, uh, Belgium. I think I put them all. Maybe I, I so. didn't. It, well, it um, sounded like a lot sounded of like seven. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and so since then, it's just, it's absolutely grown as well. And even Turkey, for example, somewhere where you wouldn't necessarily expect, as Vero informed me yesterday, I guess has seven Quidditch teams. Which yeah. is That's because Jill told me. <laughs> so. 
absolutely spreads quickly. Absolutely fantastic. And it's, you know, while at first, I mean, it's clearly evident that some countries are a little, you know, haven't had play, been playing the sport as long as others, just the rapid growth of it. You know, in the last year, and I'll, I mean, I played at Global Games, and I can sort of speak to the level of competition if you have questions afterwards. Um, but Marisha, I'm going to let take over because she actually played in the European Games this past summer. Yeah, so we had uh, the first ever European Games. So in Europe, all of the countries that have Quidditch sent in a team. Um, and I had the opportunity to play for Team Poland because I have a Polish background. And we played with seven players. <laughs> so I did not sub no at all. It was very sad. Um, but it was really cool because you had teams like... Um, you know, the UK and France, who France won the tournament, and they did really, really well. They are definitely going to be competitive at Global Games this coming year. Um, and then we had little teams like Ireland and Poland who just came to get the experience. And just by showing up, we didn't win any games, but just by showing up... Uh, you know, that sport is going to develop in that country because people are going to hear about it and it's going to spread that way. So it's very exciting. It was um, determined, Marisha, because Marisha was really obnoxious about it. She kept posting to Instagram uh, about all of these wonderful things that the European Games were doing. She was in Italy for the European Games and she said that like a lot of the... Uh, shops even had like signs like supporting like yes. European Quidditch and so. so it was in this little town called Sarteano in Tuscany um so you you know when you think of like international tournaments you think of like Athens Toronto yeah. like you know big famous country uh, cities so this tiny little town with like this a couple thousand person population um for them to host an international tournament they were so excited so they had a castle and they had like performers and like everyone decorated the whole town it was like hogsmeade genuinely it was amazing so with a tuscan um, flavor with the Tuscan, exactly. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. And again, everyone was so nice. Um, Poland scored one goal <laughs> in the entire tournament. But when we did, the entire two pitches just burst into applause and cheers, which was very cool to see. Everyone was just, like, really supportive. They were just happy. They were just like, why are you here if you can't even win? Like, they were just happy to have us there and to be growing the sport and to see that happening, so... Very exciting. Uh, we'd like to open the floor for questions. Um, so if you have anything, I, I guess they've set up a mic. I don't even know if it works. But we've got great ears, so you can also just, like, Yell. stay in your seats if you're feeling lazy. No judgment. I know how you feel. Um, but, yeah, if you have questions, uh, you, yes. Um, there are three chasers, one keeper. The secret doesn't go on pitch just minutes. yet. But yeah. I guess at 18 minutes... They get released. Um, and then two beaters. So seven on pitch at a time. Or six. Yeah. And then with the 21 players, we end up, well, there's a lot of running. Because, like, every time you get beat, you have to, like, dismount your broom and run back to your hoops. Touch them. And that's when you can remount and start, like, joining play again and, like, handling the balls and whatever. Um. So we need <laughs> a lot of so subs. So there's a lot of subs. And we do, like, subs like hockey, where it's just, like, free subs on the side of the pitch. And, like, even Chaser play, like, Turnabout is really, really fast because, like, someone could throw the quaffle across the pitch and then you have to go get it and you're trying to beat the other person who's probably faster than you. And so it's, it's a lot of running and then you need a sub right away, but because you're subbing so quickly, if you only have one, you don't really have time to catch your breath. Or if you don't have any, <laughs> um, then you never have time to catch your breath. you just cry the whole time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so having... 
more subs is definitely beneficial. Chris? Yeah, so there's one keeper on each team, uh, and pretty much they are like a chaser in the sense that they handle the quaffle. Uh, chasers and keepers aren't allowed to interact with bludger play unless they get hit, of course, which we're trying not to as much as possible. <laughs> Clearly, you know, cheap shots sitting at a panel. Didn't expect that. <laughs> Anyways, um, the uh, no, it's, it's uh, the only aspect of the keeper necessarily is like in soccer technically a key, uh, you know a goalie can bring up the ball as well but they're allowed certain extra rules if they catch the ball within their box uh, or their end there's a line that denotes that the ball is safe just similar to soccer uh, they're able to de- stick their hand through the hoops but or defend their hoops they're they're the person that de- is denoted to defend the hoops necessarily but they are allowed once they leave their box Pretty much they are the equivalent of a chaser. There's no other special rules. So there's like one keeper on field, and I think for Clippers we've decided one sub. So they just switch each other out. Yeah, two to three on a team. The snitch is uh, it's like a neutral referee position. Um, so like for refing the game, we usually have a head ref, um, three hopefully assistant refs, goal refs to watch the hoops. Because there's like there's four balls in play at once plus the snitch. That's a little bit to watch and keep track of. So we have a bunch of refs. The snitch is also basically a referee position, and it's, yeah, neutral, not attached to the teams, and hopefully a good runner because they're going to be doing a lot of that without subbing. However, um, there are lots of people, there are people, like including myself, all snitch every now and again. So it's not like we just pull them out of the woodwork separately. There are people that enjoy... You snitch. Enjoy. <laughs> Sometimes we have to do that. Voluntold. <laughs> we uh, there's a lot of people that enjoy doing the position. So I mean, it's definitely an aspect. I've in other clubs, I've had people that have just come out and said, "Hey, love Quidditch, but I'm really interested interested in just snitching." It's like awesome, and that's fantastic. So it is a neutral position, and usually at tournaments when there's two teams playing, another team will provide that snitch uh, if, if possible sometimes it's from one of the teams just as necessary so. like we had a we had a Calgary fantasy tournament so basically individuals would sign up and then they were split off into teams um, but we didn't have like a snitch officially so people from different teams volunteered for different games like it's nerds who play Quidditch and nerds tend to be pretty cool most of the time not all you know it's it's just the people who started it thought that that was really important and so the people who are drawn to it also think it's really really important i mean in in the books all of the teams were not they were co-ed to be specific because in the books as we all know there are no trans characters um however even in the books slytherin has women on the team no in the books they don't um but in the movies they do because um, I remember that one keeper is female, I think, or one of the blip beaters. Great memory. No, you know, either way. Um, nerd. <laughs> uh, but essentially, like, in the books, they don't segregate per gender, and as our definition of gender is expanding, so is the sports definition of gender. And I think Marisha makes a really good point. It's the fact that we are flexible in that we are so young as a sport, um, in the time that I've been playing, in the U.S. anyways, they've gone through, they're on their ninth rule book, which shows <laughs> you that from when it was played at Middlebury 10 years ago, it has, even the sport itself has changed in terms of the rules, the positions okay. in place. So we're at that point where we're flexible. And I mean, we're hardening up at this point. And so, you know, um, it's kind of cool that in that period, that change happened. I mean, and as Marcia said, in terms of, at least in my experience, always... A diverse group of people and a usually progressive people 
are just attracted to sport. And one of the things that I really believe in is, you know, everybody should be able to play, right? Whether they come from a sports background. I, it's funny, my friend who went and founded the Sejep League um, had never played a sport before in her life and came for just the love of the books. And she is now, like, incredibly into it. I mean, extremely sporty, only in the sense of Quidditch. Um, but otherwise, that would not have been a verb that to describe. That would not have been a word to describe her. So, adjective. Adjective. I know. That's why I said word. I, <laughs> so. I did political science, not grammar. Language backgrounds, right here. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So the broom's essentially like a handicap. So like you have to figure out how to catch with one hand or um and when you're tackling you can only go one arm and things like that um yeah, you ever try to run around on a broomstick not necessarily easy and so the broomstick <laughs> always has to stay between your legs at all times and that is a really big challenge and I'm, i mean even once you get used to it like i'm walking around practice and the broomstick's <laughs> between my legs the whole time and i don't realize it right even so doing some of the physical athletic nature aspects to the sport is really difficult to still maintain with a broom. And so, as sort of Cameron was explaining, you know, if you, you're, if you fall off your broom or your beat, which is, again, coming off your broom, that's what's sending you back to the hoops and really changing the nature of the game. Because you are not allowed to participate in any play if you're not on your broom. so It's also like, fun to watch new players trip over their brooms. <laughs> <laughs> or just like pull them out because they forget and then they're running like, oh, with their broom. Because like, <laughs> when you, you're standing, you don't realize it's there and then they're running and then it just like drops on the ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> grab their ball and then run away. <laughs> we won't laugh at you if you come to Quidditch. <laughs> the, yeah, I probably should have said that. <laughs> it's not like at, for like a sport concern, but just at a personal level, one of the things I really like about the brooms and just a little Quidditch is it's a full-on sport. It gets really competitive. People go really hard. The like, even at a competitive level, like with tackling and everything, it's it's really competitive. Yet you're doing all of this with a broom between your legs. So it's always and a little silly. <laughs> that has that keeps an element of silliness and fun to it that I think a lot of other sports don't have. And that's one of the draws for me. Is it mixes that hyper like it, it can mix really competitiveness with just like the funness of sport. Yeah. So we, we do have to wrap up. So um, yeah. Thanks Thank so much for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank out. You for coming. Thank you.